So welcome to this episode of the Dental Assistant Nation podcast powered by Ignite DA. My name is Kevin Henry. I'm the editor-in-chief for drbicuspid.com as well as the co-founder of Ignite DA. And we are always looking to bring you the latest and greatest information. And that includes uh, some great information from one of our dear friends and dental's pharmacology expert, that is Tom Viola. Tom, how are you, man? Good morning, Kevin. How are you? I'm doing just fine, my friend. Everything's well. Hey, I'm doing great as well. And obviously, we have an article on drbicuspid.com about proton pumps and COVID-19. And obviously, people can go there and read it. But let's talk a little bit about that and you know, maybe some nuggets of knowledge that you really want people to pull out of that that you think are important. Absolutely. You know, I've been talking about proton pump inhibitors in dentistry, gosh, for about uh, 20 years now. Uh, they've always uh, been one of the most frequently prescribed medications for patients to take since I can remember. Uh, Nexium, even even after it went over the counter, enjoyed number one status for quite a while. Uh, even if it's, now it's available generically, it's still, you know, even in generic form, uh, one of the top prescribed drugs. So proton pump inhibitors were there and are probably here to stay. Uh, but the issue with dentistry has always been that they've been implicated, at least in some studies, uh, to increase the risk of early onset uh, dental implant failure. So, you know, not, I would say recently placed uh, dental implant failure. And some even took it to the next level and said that they may be responsible for causing uh, failure of implants that are either partially or mostly osteointegrated, which hmm. is definitely interesting in our world because implants are, are a part of our business that uh, for a lot of docs is, you know, their bread and butter. And, and good. Great results for patients too who love them because they're a more permanent solution. So, to think that a drug that reduces your stomach acid, uh, again, because you've got GERD, you've got peptic ulcer disease, uh, that can affect implants is, is was considered a bit of a stretch, but the data is starting to bear that out. So, is that something we've got to add now to the medication list uh, whenever, whenever patients come in? Absolutely. If you're, and I've often said this to both the dental students I teach and the hygiene students I teach can't stress enough the importance of a good, complete, thorough medical history. You know, these drugs are available over the counter now. And so people may not think that there are medications that they need to list in their medical history. When you ask them, you know, any changes to your medications, they don't view that because they hear the word medication and think little bottles from the pharmacist. But of course, these are available over the counter. The other issue is people believe these are really antacids, and as such, they fall into a realm that's not medication. I just take it when I have something to eat that uh, I know is going to disturb me or after I eat something and it has disturbed me. So they don't think to add them into the medication history, and that's why we've got to be almost proactive in asking those questions. Like what My, my, old, uh, my old mantra is always the same. It's three questions. You know, what do you take? Don't use the word uh, drug, don't use the word medication because those you know, make people believe we're talking about prescriptions only. Uh, why do you take it? Because I'd like to know why you take your PPI. Do you have GERD? You know, maybe I should ask you about Barrett's esophagus. Do you have peptic ulcer disease? Maybe I should ask you about, do you, can you take NSAIDs for dental pain? That sort of thing. And then the third question is, did you take it today? Because I really wanna know how compliant you are with the medication if necessary. And then after all of that, Kevin, right, we've got this whole thing about, okay, we need to be aware of PPIs and, and OTC status and watch out for, you know, the, the effect on, uh, on dental implants. How did it even happen? How did dental implants become uh, an issue with these medications? And it turns out that 
it really is all about bone homeostasis. You know, uh, you need a certain amount of calcium and uh, a certain amount of absorbable calcium to be able to ensure good osseointegration for good bony homeostasis. Well, turns out that the PPIs do such a good job in suppressing your acid production that you don't make enough acids, you can't solubilize the calcium and you can't absorb it. And that leads to things like, okay, well, I don't get enough calcium out of my diet. Let me take a calcium supplement. Okay, but you're not gonna absorb it anyway. And a lot of people end up getting kidney stones as a result. Wow. So it's, it's really twofold when it comes to, you know, trying to be preventative, right? But at the same time, trying to look at things retrospectively and say, what could we have done better? And then this, COVID-19, yeah. so. Well, and, and you know, uh, you and I have talked in previous podcasts about the importance of that whole dental medical connection and communication there as well. And in my head, this is another great example of both sides knowing and being on the same page. Couldn't have said it better. And this this is where I think, again, another one of those, and, and well put, my friend, another one of those crossroads between dentistry and medicine. You know, with COVID-19, it's really hard right now to devote resources to, to other things that are, are ongoing, you know, other research. I mean, obviously it's ongoing, but it's hard to devote resources to it. And so this study that I mentioned on, on Facebook and Instagram was really a, a survey uh, that was set out, a uh, population-based uh, survey, uh, about the regular use of proton pump inhibitors. So they sent out this survey to like 260,000 people. Uh, and said, you know, do you take PPIs? Well, of course, whenever you send out a survey, you don't get 100% response. So we had like about 86,000, I think, people who actually responded. And, and of those, 53,000, or about 60%, uh, reported having acid reflux or, or at least similar symptoms. And, and if they re responded that way, then there were further questions about do they use medications like proton pump inhibitors or the other class of medications, which are the H2 receptor antagonists. Most people know them as like Pepsid or Tagamet. And among those people, uh, turns out that close to, I think it was 3,300 people said that they had a positive COVID-19 test. Hmm. Okay, so further digging allows us to say what? It's almost, I think 72% of them said that they used PPIs and they used it more frequently than recommended. They probably used it twice a day when most studies have said there's no benefit to using it twice a day. Once a day is plenty. So all of a sudden we've got this left field problem that we didn't see coming, which is PPIs may actually increase the rate or at least the risk of getting COVID-19. Retrospectively, anyway, we don't know for sure. I mean, it's all—it's a survey. There's, there's inherent flaws in surveys, but but it seems like there's definitely a connection there. That's very interesting, you know. And and you're right, the the cause and effect there. And you know, so I know there are a lot of people, and and I have friends that you know, PPIs are a big part of their life. To be perfectly honest with you, yep. so so how do we walk that fine line if a patient says, "Well, I'm I'm taking these, and I have to take these." Well, believe it or not, PPIs are, are considered, as I said, you know, sometimes just antacids. But besides the, the problem with calcium, you know, you need stomach acid to digest your food. Okay. So in addition to not getting enough of your, your minerals from your diet and not digesting your food properly, and that leads to other GI issues like constipation and so on. But the, the reason why this study I, I found so interesting was that it, it kind of harkens back to another point I've made overall, which is you need stomach acid to kill some nasty bugs, 
Okay, and, and so stomach acid creates an environment that's not hospitable to bugs. Like who? Well, the greatest offender in my mind is C. diff, right? Clostridium difficile, which we all know can lead to what? C. diff-related infection and C. diff-related diarrhea and all sorts of nasty GI problems. Well, if you've got enough stomach acid, you can make it not so nice a place for C. diff to hang out. Uh, now, when you take a PPI and you reduce the stomach acid and raise the pH of the environment, well, bugs aren't so likely to move on because they, they, don't, they don't find it as inhospitable. Okay, that's bacteria, but we never thought to think of a virus as something that would, you know, take, take refuge in your GI and, and at the same time enjoy a less acid environment. And that's what we think is going on with COVID-19. We believe that, you know, COVID-19 enters the body through several mechanisms, one of which is through your, your GI tract. And so uh, we found that COVID-19 uh, and other viruses related to it do worse in an acidic environment, do better in a not so acidic environment. And if they can penetrate, you know, through the enterocells, they can get into the bloodstream, head to the lungs, and, and there's your source of infection. So Tom, you know, I, and I know people are going to read this article that the, this podcast is embedded in. And if you're listening to this podcast through our podcast network, make sure you check it out on drbycuspid.com, drbycuspid.com. Uh, and, and Tom, you know, I know you've been putting up articles, as you said, you know, through social media, and we also have those on Dr. By Cuspid. So there's a lot of different ways for people to find out more about what you're tracking, what you're seeing, but I want to make sure that they've got your website as well so they can go there too. Absolutely, my friend. Thank you so much for the support. You know, I, I couldn't do what I do without the support of you and, and the good people at Dr. By Cuspid. I thank you so much. But also, you know, it's great to hear that people out there are actually reading my articles and, 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 and I see a lot of interaction online now, which is great. So if you want to reach me, the easiest way is uh, TomViola.com. So it's T-O-M-V-I-O-L-A.com. Uh, even a quick Google search will bring me up pretty quickly. Uh, and there you'll find lots of stuff. You'll find my blog, which is all about, you know, what's latest and current in, in dental pharmacology. The, the, the part of pharmacology that impacts you in dentistry and your daily practice. That's what I try to put up there. None of the fluff and articles that don't mean anything. I want to make sure that you're more well-informed because your patients are reading this information. So I want you to be just as informed, if not more than they are. Um, but in addition to that, some people you know, find it easier to just go to Facebook or Instagram because they're on there all the time, as I am. So uh, Facebook and Instagram, Pharmacology Declassified. That's the name of my pages. And, and that's the reason for that is because that's the name of my company. I formed, uh, founded Pharmacology Declassified with that purpose to make pharmacology more user-friendly and easier to understand, more practical, more applicable. You know, as I always say to a lot of my audiences, this is not the pharmacology class you took in dental school or dental hygiene school. This, this is, you know, what you need to know every day uh, in, in daily practice. And I know so many assistants love to go to your courses as well. You know, back in the day, whenever we could actually all be together in, in one room, and hopefully that'll happen again soon. But I know uh, so many assistants have told me they've learned so much from you. And, and it's part of that patient communication that we've talked about and continue to talk about. So I am totally blessed, my friend. I get to teach dental assistants pharmacology in one of the schools where I teach. And they're probably one of my best students. I mean, they, they're hungry for knowledge. They're hungry to learn. And of all the students I have, both dental students, dental hygiene students, and dental assisting students, the dental assistants seem to have more of a fervor for pharmacology because it's something that they can use since they're the ones responsible for seating the patient. They're the ones responsible for, you know, whispering in the dentist's ear or the hygienist's ear, you know, little tidbits of information about that patient. And pharmacology is a great way to, to figure out info about a patient relatively quickly. 
Well, I really appreciate you uh, and and always coming on and, and being willing to talk about this. And and I, you know, your articles. You know, I'll be honest with you. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I can tell you, I've sat through lectures. I've read your articles. It clicks with me. So I really appreciate you taking the time to to explain this to our audience and uh, certainly uh, looking forward to having a beverage with you sometime again real soon. Someday we can both get together again, uh, maybe out in Arizona again, you and I'll share another beer and uh, have some uh, good laughs. I'm down with that. So Tom, thanks so much for being on, man. I really do appreciate it. It's a pleasure, Kevin. Thank you always for having me. I appreciate it very much. And thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast. We always love to bring you uh, some great guests inside and outside of the dental industry here on the Dental Assistant Nation podcast powered by Ignite DA. For now, Kevin Henry, the co-founder of Ignite DA and editor-in-chief for DrByCuspid.com, signing off, wishing you great health and great success in the days ahead.